Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. 
And here on the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 56 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there. We let off the show with the track Sick Payador at Your Door from Matthew DeGeneres' most recent release out on Soft Abuse from a tape called Old Jack Somebody. DeGeneres' been releasing work dating back to the late 90s where he collaborated frequently with New Zealand-based artist Alistair Galbraith on a series of sound installation recordings that found them coaxing droning textures from steel wires stretched throughout a given space. And De Janeiro has gone on to investigate various forms of traditional folk music through his solo work, creating an exceptional body of work that is highly personalized yet unassuming. For this edition of the podcast, we are thrilled to have Matthew joining us here at KMSU Studios to perform a live set. He's going to stick around and spin some records and chat a bit with us too. But before we get to all of that, that I'd play a couple more tracks of his, starting with this first one called Leith Valley Blues that comes from Matthew's 2005 release Humble Down that came out on Last Visible Dog. Thank you. 
Hey, Phil. I was listening to you. You weren't just speaking in the silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were right. This way of life is the dangerous thing.
right behind me right now. You're hearing an excerpt from De Janeiro's tape with Stefan Neville. It's called Women. And in front of that, his last full-length LP that he had out on Soft Abuse, we heard his ode to Pit Proud with a track called 40. And then going back to the beginning, we heard Leith Valley Blues from his Humble Down release. And it's at this time that we're going to hand things over to Matthew over in the other studio for a live session. I want to thank you 
being my friends and seeing me
We're here with uh, Matthew DeGenero, and thanks so much, uh, Matt, for coming down and making the track. Oh, uh, it's a treat for me to be here. Thanks yeah, for having me. It's great that you're uh, now sort of a, a Minnesota resident. Well, maybe for a little while. My wife's uh, finishing up some uh, of her schooling, so we may be moving soon, but I'm happy to be here now. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. Um, well, I had a couple questions for you, um, kind of tracing a little bit of your arc back sure. to your earliest works and right. you happen to bring down one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about so this actually works out uh, perfectly oh, good. Um, but yeah some of your earliest recordings were with uh, Alistair Galbraith yeah. and uh, they were really kind of along the lines of like sound installations That's right. in a lot of ways where You're you right. were playing these extended wires within a space yeah. um, so in terms of like your own musical development were you drawn to the idea of sound as art maybe more than just like conventional music at first I, I think I was and I'm not sure why but I was attracted to um, really attracted to the way acoustic sound works within a particular space and mm -hmm. and um, and uh, I, yeah, I don't know how I ended up in that direction but I used to lecture about uh, sound and art and things like that but it just kind of captured my imagination when I guess it was probably my 20s you know and uh Right. It just developed from there. But the wires came from a, a, a Victorian scientist named John Tyndall, 
who would do all these interesting experiments with Bunsen burners and wires and different vibrations. And so I just, I just nicked the idea from him, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of went off from there. But, was uh, was that your background? I mean, were you no, in, no, in, in art? I mean, l- no, working with more like sound sculptures and things like that? Well, no, I was just kind of, uh, no, I, I just kind of wanted to do that, and I figured out how to do it, and I just kind of went from there. I just uh, didn't have any education or schooling or any reference for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, it's interesting. Um, I, I had read an, an old interview, you know, I like to pretend like I'm prepared for these shows oh, yeah? uh, of yours <laughs> where well, you had mentioned, uh, <laughs> you had mentioned Harry uh, Bertoia, oh, sure. his work. And yeah. it's kind of uh, timely because his name is kind of coming back into play now. Right. I believe a lot of his stuff uh, is being reissued, his sound ambient oh, oh, works. Well, that's good to know. Um, Those are nice records. Yeah. I was just going to say. Uh, what what drew you towards the, the sounds that he was creating early on? With well, those he sculptures? was from Detroit. He he taught at Cranbrook. I'm from Detroit originally, and so some of his sound sculptures you could find at hospitals mm-hmm. and at Cranbrook and at university. So I, I just heard them and I felt them. I just was you know they're just so incredible to to experience, and that's how I discovered his work just because of the physicality and location or proxemics from his being in Detroit uh, teaching, and then I know he moved off to Pennsylvania. Right, right. So just his works were available. Have you visited his barn? I never have. No, no, it'd be a treat to, but I I haven't. Right. Yeah, I think his son still keeps it going. Yeah, I I had read a a recent piece Mm -hmm. that he kind of maintains that space, and um, it sounds very, very intriguing. Have you seen his sculptures, actually, in in not Not in real, no. Yeah, it's really amazing. Just they Mm -hmm. have this really interesting decay where you think they're done, and then they'll keep going again, Mm -hmm. and just... uh, I think they also resemble a lot of like cattails and natural phenomenon with the the movements, which I really like a lot. Right, right. Well, then that leads me to how you became or got connected with Alistair Galbraith. How did you guys start working on this project together with Wire Music? Well, I met Alistair and Peter Jeffries when they first toured, I think, in 1993. And we became quick friends. And I started going over to New Zealand and stayed with Alistair. and, And so... Uh, Alistair came, I think he toured with the Mountain Goats, I think this was maybe 1996, and I was doing these wires in Detroit, these long wire things, and he just fell in love with it, and then we just decided to collaborate, and so we uh, just went from there. Right, I was going to say, those are essentially your first recordings that you had done, correct? I mean, the yes, wire music stuff. that's right. Those are the first recordings, yeah, okay. CDs. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so that's right. we're actually going to play one, and I think this one came out a few years later, right? Uh, well, this, this, is ca- this one came out, we were doing this uh, festival in Europe, and we, we put this one together, and I'm, I don't really remember what year, maybe 1999 or 2000, but okay. uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, so this is going to be an excerpt from uh, one of your collaborative releases with Alistair Galbraith. It's called Two Wires and Violin Loop. Now, I'm assuming here uh, he was probably playing violin, uh, kind of c- bouncing off from the, the reverberations exactly. that you were creating. Is That's that how right. It? That's exactly what was going on, yeah. So this was recorded live. Yeah, um, this was recorded in, uh, in, I think, in Auckland, I think 1999. Yep. <laughs> I'm citing the CD right oh, now. Okay, really, well, yeah. you got it in your hands. July 31st, <laughs> 1999. Wow. So we're going to jump into yeah. an excerpt from this here. Uh, Once again, two wires and violin loop.
All right, we heard a couple things uh, that you've done. That one's from an old CDR uh-huh. that I'm not even sure what was the year on that one there. Is that uh, back in like 10, 10 or so years ago? I, I don't think so. I think that was actually maybe 2007. Or okay, 2000. okay. Who knows? But. And was Epigonic, this, was that mm-hmm. something, was that your I imprint? That, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah Which so means we, inferior. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like <that>. Nice. <laughs> um, in front of that, though, we heard some unreleased stuff from someone who you have collaborated with a bit here and there, Scott Tuma. Yeah, we've been playing a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was featured on, well, he played on one of the tracks on that uh, old Jack Somebody cassette. That's right. Yeah, usually one of the one of the things we've recorded, and that one's on the cassette. That's probably 12 years old. That's an old one. But oh, uh, really? I try to put one thing we've got on a record just for people to hear it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We've been playing a long time, and I just really like playing with Scott a lot, so... Right. And uh, again, at the very top, we heard with uh, that Alistair Galbraith and uh, track from Two Wires and uh, Vi- Two Wires and Violin Loop, also on Epigonic. Yeah. From that. I think that was the first one. Well, uh, getting back to kind of like your music and how it's progressed mm-hmm. over the years, um, you know, at what point, you know, moving from these sound installation pieces, yeah. where do you start kind of investigating or interrogating like folk music in various degrees. I mean, did that come quite a bit after or were you always interested in that? I think there was there was some kind of delineation between the two and I when I came back from New Zealand in 1999 from a tour, I, I decided I wanted to, to record with instruments and I had this idea to have one bowed instrument, uh, some type of reed and before it was an accordion, before I play in a pump organ now, and a, and a guitar. So I wanted to put those sounds together and do this in a way that I would multi-track and kind of, kind of craft pieces that way. And so mm-hmm. it was a real thought-through thing that I wanted to kind of go in that direction. And I really haven't stopped since then. You know, mm-hmm. probably almost every day for the past 15 years working on something. Well, and is that the point where you, I mean, picked up instruments for the first time? No, or had I, you been I, played? I, my sister played guitar, and we were, you know, kind of burnout heavy metal people. <laughs> and she played, and I was really into Led Zeppelin. And, and I, I didn't really have the confidence to really get into it till it's probably about 30, you know, so it's been mm-hmm. a long time. But I, I had played and I kind of know what it's like to hold in my hands and, and do a little bit, but I, I really didn't gain that confidence till much later in life. Right. And I mean, when I say folk music too, by yeah. the way, it's not like you were like, you're not one of these fahey accolades. It seems like well, you're drawing from a deeper well of things that maybe not even necessarily American folk blues. Like you, well, it stems beyond our borders, if you will. Yeah, I, hopefully. And also, I just you know I don't collect records, and and when I write, I, I, it's hopefully coming from not following through and looking through records for ideas, but just what's going on in my life and trying to play and, and have that as a way of life and, and to kind of create moods that I just shape, you know, with those with those sounds. So it's just, uh, I think it's, uh, hopefully it's just the music's coming not from styles, but just uh, just the, the way I feel and just, it's kind of how I deal with reality. Right, right. So. Anyhow, that was one thing I was going to ask you. I mean, you, you have been doing this for, you know, I don't know, 20 years yeah, going yeah. on, or maybe over 20 years. Yeah, you know, well, I'm in my 40s, so yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it, Never along the way have you really sort of latched on to any air quotes scene or things like that. You haven't really gone out of your way to no. promote, plug your music. You just do it to create. And I, a lot of that's just personality. You know, I, I'm painfully introverted. Well, maybe not so much now, but I am introverted. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just like making music. I like recording, and it just gives me a satisfaction that um, that kind of keeps me going. And so if somebody else gets to hear it 
And, you know, I'm really grateful for Chris to take an interest, and that's kind of kind of gotten out there a little bit. But I just uh, it's just how I deal with reality, and and it's, it's like I said, it's a way of life. It's just something I, I like to do every day, and, and it just gives me satisfaction. So if, if people get to hear it, that's great, but I'm going to do it regardless just because right. it's therapeutic and, and meaningful to me. You know, it's how I get meaning in my life, or one of the ways. And so it's, it, it has different kind of components that, that work for me and just in terms of how I live. You know? Yeah, so, I mean, building from that, I mean, the stuff that you have released, I mean, is this stuff that you've just combed through and said, okay, this is stuff I'm comfortable putting out there. I mean, do you have a lot of recordings that you're just for your own personal satisfaction that, you're, that you well, keep? Well, though, yeah, there are. Yeah, there, there are, and there's some that... Uh, I mean, I've always approached it like I'm making a record, you know, mm-hmm. for myself. You know, it's like a, a, a grouping of, of, of songs that have some relationship. And, and so I'll finish that and I'll just start another one, mm-hmm. you know. But if, you know, there's lots that are just, you know, maybe a few friends have heard and that's fine, you know. But, right. Uh, I, I don't really measure success in terms of, and, and thank God Chris doesn't either, mm-hmm. in terms of like, connections and you know and money well there's no money but you know, <laughs> right <laughs> um, you know like what labels you're on and all that jazz you know mm-hmm. so if it, to get us out there that's great but but uh you know well one thing you brought down are some uh, other like artists that you're interested in you brought down some 78s to play and this yeah. is a freeform freakout first right now oh, excellent. so we're gonna we're gonna try it out and see how this comes through on the digital end of things but yeah. we you um yeah, we're just going to jump into it. Of course, I don't know any of these things that you're yeah. going to play. The first one that you picked yeah, out. This is a Bolivian composer. This is Alberto Ruiz, who I like a lot. He's got really uh, uh, this Andean music with a lot of minor key playing and, and really great guitar. You'll hear this uh, really amazing uh, double voice, too. So, right. so we're going to jump. Beautiful. Yeah, we're going to jump into this. It's going to bump a little bit, yeah. but it'll settle in, and I think uh, it'll be all right. Yeah. Mañana cuando me vaya de la loma te describí. Mañana cuando me vaya de la loma te describí. Con la sangre de mis venas en alas de una paloma. Con la sangre de mis venas en alas de una paloma. Bien que yo me muera, morirán todas las flores. El bien que yo me muera, morirán todas las flores. Y en la losa de mi tumba cantarán los ruiseñores. Y en la losa de mi tumba cantarán los ruiseñores. Kaukirura kirpitata, kaukirura sartanyani. Kaukirura kirpitata, kaukirura sartanyani. Kuma julia tapatoni, naya julia mediasani. Kuma julia tapatoni, naya julia mediasani.
Probably the most uh, lo-fi <laughs> set of music uh, we've had, in addition to 78s. Right? What a beautiful one. That's uh, Andres Cesaretta from Argentina. I think that was recorded probably 1927 or 28. Mm. But uh, yeah, that, that's uh, a type of guitar I like a lot, that um, South American mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have the playlist or anything yeah. in front of me, but you had some stuff from various locales. Yep, something from the Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, yeah, and uh, <laughs> neither of us are looking at this. <laughs> so, uh, you said you, you're not a big uh, record collector, but do you like to kind of stumble upon 78s like that? Yeah, like actually, anti- I actually, I, when I had income, I used to look on eBay for 78s and, and some other places, but mm. um, I, I don't anymore. But uh, so I, I would seek those out. Right, so I, right. I was perhaps misleading you a little bit before right. the, uh, collecting business. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, uh, <laughs> thanks, Matthew, David. for uh, playing music well, and I'm, hanging down here. I'm really grateful for you having me. It's, you know, it really uh, means a lot to me, so thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can yeah. set up another uh, a live outing oh, or something. Yeah, so that would be a treat. All right. Well, we've got a good 30 to 35 minutes remaining of this edition of the show, and I thought I'd use the time to squeeze in some newer things that received over the past several weeks. And I'll start things off here with a brand new 12-inch single-sided EP from a duo by the name of Zone Di Marsali, an Italian duo that features Michel Ferrati and a sound artist Pietro Riparbelli. And I'm going to play the opening cut from this one called Politica Fandali.
me right now you're hearing new stuff from Lost Wax which is a solo project from a guy out of the UK by the name of Ben Morris who is active in a number of different projects among them Quora and this is a an excellent release where he's melding these great field recordings that he captured while living in uh, China and Vietnam uh, with other sort of as you can hear piano and just scraping metal and what have you but uh really really solid stuff uh came out on chocolate monk just recently and uh recommend checking that out uh it's really really good stuff in front of that we heard a new release from a trio of artists living in colorado jason quarter cody yantis and carl ritger quarter or uh, records, excuse me, as Off the Sky and Ritger records as Radier and Yantis is no stranger to the show we replay a lot of his stuff, he's also involved in the group Tilth, but uh, this new one is uh, some scathing drone work from them from a release called Possession and uh, surprised how uh, nasty this one sounds I uh, really like this one I played a track called Mirror Bound one of the shorter pieces on it. Some of the lengthy ones are uh, really incredible. I'll have to re- revisit some of this stuff on later shows. We heard from the new German Army collection that just came out on Dub Ditch Picnic. We heard a track, Clan Bridge. And a uh, great release from Dub Ditch Picnic, doing everyone a favor by compiling a bunch of long out-of-print cassettes that German Army keep uh, issuing. And it's a nice place to get up to speed quickly at an affordable price. So get on that. Uh, some great stuff. Again, it's called In Transit. It's available now. In front of German Army, we heard from an LP release that came out late last year from Dan Melchauer. came out on No-Fi Recordings. The release was called All at Sea. We heard a piece called A Story, which... Nice selection there that you can hear him kind of melding that avant garage blues with more music concrete styles that he's been uh, investigating of late 
and a fine release. I believe there's still copies available of that one. In front of that, going way back there, a piece from Vladimir Yusashevsky, a great electronic music pioneer and an artist who had helped found the Princeton Electronic Music Center in New York City in the late 50s with Otto Luning. And Luning's work is also featured on this release, Sun Nova 1988 Electronic Music. And we heard uh, Yusashevsky's piece called Linear Contrast, again dating way back, uh, I believe from the 50s that, that was recorded as well. And then that Zone Di Marsali track at the very beginning. I want to thank Matthew DeGenero again for coming down and uh, recording for us in the studio, playing for us in the studio, and hanging out to uh, spin some music and talk a little bit. If you're interested in checking out some of his recordings, uh, his most recent things are available via Soft Abuse, and Soft Abuse also carries a number of his older titles through their distributed uh, items section. So head over to softabuse.com and you can find a lot of that stuff. And if you have any questions for me, you can get in touch at fffreakout at hotmail.com. Otherwise, check back in a couple weeks. Got some more feature shows lined up. And uh, I'll mention those as we get those things finalized. But uh, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>